Dog Show, the weekly show where others dance. This is episode 320 on the 1st of Feb 2021 of India's only digital radio talk show. Let's start today's episode with this beautiful song of a TV show. Our whole universe was in a hot, dense state. Then nearly 14 billion years ago, expansion started. Wait, the earth began to rule, the autotrophs began to rule. Neanderthal developed tool, we built a, bo- we built a wall, we built the pyramids. Mad science history unraveling the mystery and all started with the big bang since the dawn of man is really not that long as every galaxy was formed in less than time than it takes to sing this song a fraction of a second and the elements were made the beep the bipeds stood up straight the dinosaurs all met their fate they tried to leave but they were late and they all died the oceans and the pangea sea wouldn't want to be here set in motion by the same big bang it all started with the big bang it's expanding ever outward but one day it will pause and start to go the other way collapsing ever inward we won't be there it won't be heard a best and brightest figure that it'll make an even bigger bang Ostropolitus would really have been sick of us Debating how we are here, they're catching deer, Re- religion or astronomy, Descartes or Deuteronomy, it all started with the Big Bang. Music and mythology, Einstein and astrology, it all started with the Big Bang. It all started with the Big Bang. Welcome back. 
the second song of this morning's episode is terito terita hamesha yaad satave i don't know what you saying all i know is that i came to party terito terita hamesha yaad satave i don't know what you saying all i know is that i came here to there's a party going on and they are playing your favorite song so girl get your on the floor i don't wanna hear no more i don't want no excuse you got rhythm so put it to use and if you really wanna get down take my hand and let me spin you around round we go round we go round we go round we go terito terita hamesha yaad satave rock the party rock the party oi hoy nikodiye teri jawani rock the ba- rock the party rock the party oi hoy jawani akmastani shake your body shake your body oi hoy jawani teri jawani while we rock the party rock the party ho hai teri yaad sata main tenu dekh dekh bas ek pal ek pal wake wake मुझे नींद न आवे रात रात मैंने नींद न आवे रात रात तेरी याद सतावे रोज रुलावे नींद उड़ावे जान ले जावे होश उड़ावे रात रात होश उड़ावे रात रात एक बारी आजा एक बारी आजा एक बारी तू आजा राउंड वी गो राउंड वी गो राउंड वी गो तेरी तो तेरी ता हमेशा याद सतावे I don't know what you saying all I know is I came here to rock the party rock the party teri to teri ta hamesha yaad satave welcome back after the break in the world of sports and business there are no friends no opponents no alliances and even if there are some alliances in the world of business and sports it's only superficial but in the world of sports and business there are only opportunities but still currently the term used between two organizations or two sports athlete is rivalry it baffles me what does the term rival mean is it enmity is it opponent is it opportunity because everybody on this planet is an opportunitist opportunitist there are no friends no opponents no alliances everybody wants to make profit whether it's in the field of sports or business in that sense let's talk about three tennis players who are called the big 3 in the example of djokovic nadal and federer they have won multiple grand slams for example djokovic has won 17 majors nadal has won 13 french open titles which is a record and this is how we judge the likes of djokovic and nadal and federer to such an extent that it's being postulated that or hypothesized that once these three retire or call it a day the incoming next gen what is next gen i don't know one eras next gen is the other eras big 3 legendary hall of famers 
but the next gen which are looked at with skepticism because of the majors and titles won by those three for example dominic thiem daniel medavev alexander zverev andre rublev stefanos sitpisas from greek the russians and dominic thiem they are good players but whenever there is the talk of french open the australian open the us open in the olympics in the non olympic championships everything revolves around federer nadal djokovic when it comes to tennis it's always federer nadal djokovic or in the women's tennis it's about the two sisters venus and serena williams we don't look beyond them we don't look the ones before have retired the likes of steffi grass and billy jean king have retired they left their legacy which is understood but it's time is it time to go beyond the likes of nadal djokovic federer yes they are good players and it's not about whether when they will retire and rest as far as the sport is concerned why is there so much obsession around them that's humanity we create certain obsessions around certain sports athletes that we get blinded we can't go beyond them these three individuals are rivals it's a universal truth that they don't like each other when they play against each other there is healthy respect yes there is of course who trails whom by how many majors but apart from that these three are rivals but there is a healthy respect they are not friends when they play against each other they play to beat the other and if the likes of dominic thiem daniel medvedev andre rublev stefanos go on to beat any one of them it will become a big deal that's a huge deal when you beat a potential hall of famer talking about the hall of fame as far as the world of talk show goes in india i am already in the hall of fame putting the rest in the hall of shame as far as sports analytics goes there is no one better there was no one better and even if there are people who come after me it will be on the standards set by me but we'll talk about that later let's talk about this idea of rivalry in the world of business whether it's microsoft amazon google apple airtel vodafone idea or any of these organizations they are rivals they have only one motive to have maximum subscribers maximum clients and even if two of these organizations come together for an alliance for a partnership it's for one motive not for friendship for business it's all about opportunities there is nothing greater in this world than looking at opportunities even if we have to form superficial alliances with the other whether it's two governments of two countries forming alliances like the four like the quad in which there is india japan us and one more country they are not friends they are not rivals they are not enemies there is healthy respect but there is only one motive opportunities opportunity to outdo the other or together a friend of my friend is my enemy though for me i don't agree with the terms rival enemy for me in sports there are no enemies if india plays pakistan it should be seen as a normal match not as a match that if india beats pakistan it's in the realm of nationalism that thought process has to go 
और इफ वेदर इट्स हॉकी क्रिकेट फुटबॉल इफ टू कंट्रीज प्ले ईच अदर दे प्ले बिकॉज दे हैव टू विन द स्पोर्ट्स एथलीट्स डू नॉट प्ले फॉर द प्राइड ऑफ नेशनलिज्म दैट्स जस्ट सुपरफिशियल दैट्स टू मेक a few pseudo and hyper nationalist happy but when virat kohli plays virat kohli plays for virat kohli tanlukar played to make tanlukar a bigger better player tanlukar never played for india india never played for tanlukar they were they are two separate entities similarly roger federer plays for roger federer he doesn't care which country he represents similar is the case of nadal djokovic or any other dominic thiem naomi osaka ashley barty who was supposedly a former cricket player they all play for themselves everybody in this world whether it's business sport or any other entity whether it's two sporting countries coming face to face for a match or two individual sports athletes coming face to face for a match or two business organizations aligning together because they have only one motive profit it is irrelevant which country they belong to things like nationalism patriotism are not even the focus and even if there is talk about nationalism it is just to keep a few pseudo and hyper nationalist elements at bay time to take a short break welcome back after the break talking about rivalry when india and england start their match on friday when the 22 players meet on the field they have only one thing in their mind to earn a livelihood for themselves and their family to put food on the table and nothing more all the talk about playing for your country is only at best superficial and the only way if we want to 
represent an institution it's nothing more than that whether they represent the indian cricket board which is a quasi private government organization or whether they play for the country is a matter of debate but when these 22 players or when the football world cup happens in 2023 2022 in qatar when those 16 to 17 teams meet all the 100 odd players have only one thing in mind to represent to earn a livelihood to make sure that if they go on to win the championship they will get a good healthy check it's all about paycheck whether it's sports business or any other thing why do we criticize educational institutes private or semi autonomous for having high fees the education institutes also have employees the employees need to earn a living and those who can pay the fees should go for it it's me- merit is a part but equally if you can afford it go for it i don't mind high fees it shouldn't be too high so that an individual doesn't get an opportunity but whether it's iit du or any other such organization they are in their own bubble they are rivals that is a fact everybody is a rival to everyone though i said that there are no rivals no friends no enemies but to put up a term everybody is a rival to everyone the concept of rivalry has been programmed in humans right from the point they were born whether it was playing for your school against other schools that the emotions associated for representing your school representing your college and then going on to represent a pseudo country it's always been programmed in individuals that you represent a certain institution a certain group a certain country and the other side are your rivals if you lose to them you lose respect for me if two institutions that is sporting institutions whether it's two schools meet face to face one will win but for me when they both play they have healthy respect but they are rivals this concept of rivalry which has been programmed into humans needs to be deprogrammed it's a little disconcerting about this whole concept of nationalism and pseudo nationalism which has come up as far as representing one's country is concerned pv sindhu plays for pv sindhu manika batra from table tennis plays for manika batra but since she has to play at the world level you have to you have to play for an institution that is the sports authority of india and the indian olympic association who select you after they judge and evaluate your performances then then they send a contingent so that you can play yes it's only a minor thing that you play for india otherwise all these athletes who will represent olympics or any or the hockey world cup the cricket world cup the football asian cup or any other such tournaments they all play for themselves it's all about livelihood and putting food on the table as simple as that let's take a short break
welcome back after the break. A few pseudo and hyper nationalists will obviously be upset when I said that we don't represent our country, we represent ourselves. I have nothing to say to them except that do something other than pretending to care about all these things. Nationalism doesn't work. It has never worked. It's a failed technique to get people moving. Everybody does everything for livelihood, for money, for business. That's the only motive. Profit is the only motive in the minds of individuals. The concept of nation states, the concept of a country is only at best abstract. It's only for administrative convenience, nothing more than that. So my only word to these hyper-nationalists would be don't even waste your time pretending to be nationalists. Everyone knows what the concept of nationalism entails. And as far as two individuals are concerned, representing their respective countries, if that was the case, then why would a Tanvir Sangha, for example, whose parents and grandparents belong to India, would shift to Australia? And why would he play for Australia? And why are we getting excited about the likes of Tanvir Sangha? The, I don't even understand what is this idea behind Indian origin. Who are we trying to fool? There is no Indian origin. If somebody decides today to go to another country, become a citizen, then their children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, generations will be from that country. And this whole historic in this whole concept of bloodline that they belong to this particular country, their great-grandparents were born here, it is meaningless. If Tanvir Sangha is right now an Australian, his father may have shifted to that country 25 to 30 years ago, but that doesn't affect. What if Tanvir Sangha was in India? Would he have been selected? Well, we'll see. Yes, there is, of course, a certain concern about a 19-year-old being selected. He should be used carefully. Well, he is a person, not an object that he needs to be used carefully. If he has been selected after he performed well in the domestic competition in the 20-over domestic World Cup, if the selectors feel that they need to give chances to 19-year-olds, so that they can play, earn a livelihood, earn a higher percentage of fees, then go ahead, select anyone, but do not associate him with this Indian origin conception. This doesn't work. It didn't work with a certain Monty Panisar. It doesn't matter if his great-grandparents were in India. They shifted to UK, London, England, he settled there, he is their citizen, his accent is of that region, where he came from, the whole bloodline is irrelevant. This whole concept of getting excited about a few pseudo-Indian Americans, it's this concept, they don't care. A Satya Nadella doesn't care whether he was in India. He is a US citizen. He has been given an opportunity in Microsoft. He will use that opportunity to earn a livelihood. Yes, Google, Microsoft are rivals and we get excited that Sundar Pichai or Satya Nadella or others had Indian origins. This debate has no base. And therefore, don't get all hyper-nationalistic. Let's take a small break.
over the last three to five years, humans have been using quasi-communication methods such as WhatsApp, Telegram to communicate with others. Why? Because it's easier, it's cheaper. One doesn't have to work hard as much as we work on emails. But for me, email is the most civilized and the organized way of communication and has been for over decades. Let's look at this statistic. The average professional spends 28% of the work day reading and answering emails according to a McKinsey analysis. For the average full-time worker in America, that amounts to a staggering 2.6 hours spent and 120 messages received per day. We all receive thousands of emails every day. The, this email is the most civilized and organized way of communication and has been for over decades. Emails are more or less the extension of a handwritten or a typed letter or a typewriter or any such similar correspondence. But individuals now prefer to give their email address rather than their correspondence address. There are basically two reasons for the same. Humans are basically nomads. So one's place of residence is fluid. Most individuals reside in rented apartments. So it's not fixed and we don't want strangers coming to our house with letters and such correspondence. Emails, on the other hand, one doesn't have to change even if we buy a new electronic device. We simply add the email and it becomes synced forever. With email being the most crucial communication method, despite the intrusion of quasi communication methods such as WhatsApp, it is important to keep your email inbox cluttered. The psychology associated with constant checking of email is anyways subjective and not a sign of wastage and overload. Keeping this inbox decluttered is an elementary exercise. Here are a few steps to keep your inbox decluttered. Add important contacts to your address box. Often we receive emails but they go into spam which often goes unnoticed. Spam and junk folders keep your address from falling prey to malware. So it is up to you to decide which email is to be added and which address is to be left in the junk folder which automatically deletes after 30 days. Which contact is important is subjective, but at least with whom you contact regularly, add them to the contact so that they appear in your inbox. Mark all as read. Just like in text messages, there is an option to mark all as read. So at least the email received are not highlighted or there is no number next to the inbox. We can read the emails later. Making them as red relaxes us instead of seeing blue and red marks all over the email. It does not look ugly. If you are sending the same email to lot of contacts, often we send one email if the organization you work for has designated you to send the same text to multiple people, we send it separately. This can work sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. The ideal solution would be to send the same message or correspondence to multiple people together. Most hesitate because it means selecting addresses from the contact list. One message, multiple recipients, same email. So there is one message and multiple recipients of the same email. But there is a caveat. Your recipient's address should be in the BCC. Blind carbon copy. This has 
the following advantage. Before we go further, let's take a short break. Welcome back after the break. Let's continue the advantage of the blind carbon copy. Look, it protects your email address privacy. For security and privacy reasons, it is best to use the blind carbon copy feature when sending an email message to a large number of people. When you place email addresses in the BCC field of a message those addresses are invisible to the recipients of the email conversely any email address that you place in the to field or the cc field are visible to everyone who receives the message what are the benefits of using blind carbon copy using the blind carbon copy field to send an email message to a large group of people has a number of benefits including the privacy of email addresses is protected in the original message recipients will receive the message but won't be able to see the addresses addresses listed in the bcc field when an email is forwarded the addresses of everyone in the to and cc field are also forwarded along with the message addresses that have been placed in the bcc field are not forwarded if you have placed a large list of recipients in the to or carbon copy field all of them will receive the reply by placing recipients in the bcc field you can help protect them against receiving unnecessary replies from anyone using the reply all feature Many viruses and spam programs are now able to sift through mail files and address books for email addresses. Using the BCC field acts as an anti-spam precaution. It reduces the likelihood that recipients would receive a spam message or a virus from another recipient's infected computer. Let's take a short break before we go further.
let's go further in this discussion. You should create folders in your email inbox. Think of your email as the drawers attached to your table. Think of your email as the drawers attached to your table. Each drawer is designate, designated for keeping different sorts of files. We often label the same so that a certain type of document is slotted into that drawer. It is the same logic with emails. We receive bills in emails, taxi, electricity, phones. We subscribe to multiple newsletters, for example, Medium, Britannica, Wordsmith, Webster's. Now, whether such sub subscriptions are adding or subtracting to your productivity is a different matter altogether and not the scope of this discussion. But till the time you subscribe to these digital magazines or newsletters, the first step is to create folders. This helps you track the email you may have received six months ago or six years ago. It is time time stamp which is the easy which is easy to detect when you put it in the folder downloading documents and images since email is seen as the high speed way to send documents and images replacing facts and posts the first step to take is to download any documents received pdf or jpeg onto your computer which can be read or seen later than sending the email to the concerned folder as discussed above. This way, one does not have to go back to opening the inbox and trying to remember on which date the email arrived or who sent it. When you do download the JPEG or PDF or Word documents onto your computer, be cognizant of the fact that these documents get literally download it into the downloads folder of your browser. That's a default setting unless you change it. The next logical step is to drag the files from the said downloads folder of the browser on your desktop. Otherwise, you will find yourself downloading the same document multiple times. Video conferencing and email fatigue. Humans are paradoxical. First, they see video conferencing as a future which replaces physical and in-person meeting as a boon and when there are too many, we pretend to feel the heat just because there are meetings does not mean we don't have the discretion to attend or not to attend. If humans can't exercise such a simple choice or pick and choose, then there is nothing more to add. It is a similar story of email fatigue. Email will always remain the most secure, civilized and cultured way of communicating when it comes to sending messages. Unlike pseudo and quasi methods of communication like WhatsApp when the, where the environment is messy, chaotic and question of privacy are coming into the discussion where it is useful while sending messages for quick communication rather than distinct and succinct messages. Before worrying about the email fatigue and moving to statistics that one spends millions of hours on emails, we should make efforts to deactivate those pseudo and quasi applications. Let's take a short break after so much of information that I have relayed to my dear listeners. Welcome back after the break. Let's end tonight, end this morning's beautiful episode 
by reading from Sherlock Holmes, The Memoirs of Sherlock Holmes, Arthur Conan Doyle, The Adventure of the Silver Blaze. On that evening, the horses had been exercised and watered as usual, and the stables were locked up at nine o'clock. Two of the lads walked up to the trainer's house where they had supper in the kitchen, while the third Ned Hunter remained on guard. At a few minutes after nine, the maid, Edith Baxter, carried down to the stables his supper, which consisted of a dish of curried mutton. She took no liquid as there was a water tap in the stables and it was a rule that the lad on duty should drink nothing else. The maid carried a lantern with her as it was very dark and the path, and the path ran across the open moor. Let's take a short break and then continue. Welcome back after the break. Edith Baxter was within 30 yards of the stables when a man appeared out of the darkness and called her to stop. As she stepped out into the circle of yellow light thrown by the lantern, she saw that he was a person of gentlemanly bearing dressed in a grey suit of tweeds with a cloth cap. He wore gaiters and carried a heavy stick with a knob to it. She was most impressed, however, by the extreme pallor of his face and by the nervousness of his manner. His age, she thought, would be rather over 30 than under it. Can you tell me where I am? He asked. I had almost made up my mind to sleep on the moor when I saw the light of your lantern. You are quite close to the king's pie-lined training stables, said she. Oh, indeed, what a stroke of luck, he cried. I understand that a stable boy sleeps there alone every night. Perhaps that is, that is his supper which you are carrying to him. Now, I am sure that you would not be too proud to earn the price of a new dress, would you? He took a piece of white paper, folded up out of his waistcoat pocket. See that the boy has this tonight, and you shall have the prettiest frock that money can buy. She was frightened by the earnestness of his manner and ran past him to the window through which she was accustomed to hand the meals. It was already opened and Hunter was seated at the small table inside. She had begun to tell him of what had happened when the stranger came up again. This ends episode number 320 of India's only digital radio talk 
Show.